Welcome to an in-focus edition of On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I've been increasingly curious about student success across higher education, how it has changed, and what institutions are doing to engage and retain a new generation of learner. I'd like to thank the folks at NAC for bringing this conversation together. I encourage you to go to joinnac.com where you can capitalize on your NACs and make the most of your skills by helping your peers. Now, on to the episode. Okay, I don't know what it is. And for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, I have, maybe I just want to go back to, to university because I keep wanting to dive into conversations about where we are in higher education, how we are understanding the value and the relationship to technology and how that can support not only students, but faculty um, and administrations in understanding this new uh, wild world of career placement and really sort of our place in this world as young as young people. Um, so that that's sort of sending me back, but I'm <laughs> I'm excited to spend time with Anand uh, Panmanaban that I get I tried. I <laughs> that's great. That's fine. It's Panmanaban, but it's fine. So. <laughs> I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. So Let's start with this. So this is fascinating. So you are the VP and the, the chief information officer at Fordham University, obviously Fordham, an incredibly well-known brand in higher education, and not just in the U.S., but across the world. Uh, so you decided to take this post in 2020. So <laughs> talk about, let's just, we have to start there. That That is quite a place to start uh, at a university of the likes of Fordham. I mean, it, it was an interesting uh transition because the first i mean I, I think it's the first for a lot of people for a lot of different things um and for me uh it was a very interesting transition because uh I'm, i was starting as a cio for a large university right in the middle of the pandemic right in the middle of pandemic when technology was the driver for pretty much everything that a university does so how do you come in not meet a single person in person you know have the meetings build the relationship, build the trust uh, as a leader within the IT organization, and, and at the same time, still be able to deliver the services that's required so the students can learn, the faculty can teach, um, the administrators and the staff can do what they need to do. And to, to cover it all up, the perimeter of the university as we had known it and the structures that have been built for all the services fell apart and and you know the the university kind of and, and not just university every every uh, it, it impacted every sector had had the transition into going um the, the perimeter kind of eking into the the homes uh, so now how do you structure all these things uh, so if you think about it how do i build that relationship with my staff how do i know where we are within the uh, university and the types of services we are now providing. How can I make it better? And how do I uh, make sure that uh, student engagement, student learning, student, uh, I mean, students are getting, uh, if, if you take about the, the, think about the academic side, how, how can we make sure that the students are getting uh, learning pretty much? I mean, so, so it's not just coming in, hearing the faculty and going off. Uh, could technology play uh, a part in that? wherein there is a serious engagement that, ha that happens within the class. So could we build uh, our uh, transition, the types of interactions that happen in an in-person classroom onto the 
onto these virtual classes um, so that uh, students feel like they're part, they're learning something at the, at, at the same time they're part of a, so of a class. You know? big, big, big questions for you right out of the gate. What did you, this is what I think is incredibly compelling is that I would, I'm trying to remember or recall, you know, I've, I've got young kids. So these movies were, you know, it's sort of like, you know, uh, there's an older movie like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids where all of a sudden they're shrunk down and they're experiencing a world that they did not intend. Now they sort of live on top of that world, but now they're, they're amongst the blades of grass. Tell me about what you learned just about yourself, really sort of the personal side of you weren't just sort of a proctor of ideas and a manager of systems and people, but you were just like a student. I mean, you're getting dropped in with responsibilities right. to develop relationships. I would imagine sort of that was, yeah. mm -hmm. that was number one. Right. Uh, and, and two, you are also a user of the technology. <laughs> so it's a little bit like, honey, I shrunk the kids, but in a higher ed perspective, right. what, what did you learn about yourself that looking back, you feel has actually enhanced your ability to understand the students and where they are with current technology and or limitations or expectations? Uh, great question. Um, so, and then great analogy as well, because I mean, you you're suddenly put into the into a space where you have to rethink what you what you already knew. So, luckily for me, one of the things so I came here from a startup, uh, which was uh, trying to rethink the paradigm in K twelve education, and re, uh, really look at you know with. Um, and I'll try to answer your question quick, but I just want to give a little background because there, what we were trying to do is um, K-12 education had not changed in centuries. So how do we, uh, how do, and, and the students that we are teaching today in, in kindergarten and first grade and second grade and fifth grade, when they graduate for the World Economic Forum, 60 or 65% of the jobs that we know of today is not going to be there. So how, what, but what we are preparing the students for are for the jobs of today. So how do you prepare a student uh, so that, such that they are ready in a, in a way for any type of job that comes up? So not the, the, six, the new 65% of the job, but any type of the watch. So how do you prepare these students to really think about that's what the startup was. So, and then COVID hit and it, it made a big, uh, uh, big impact. And we were doing it in a global sense as well. So when I transitioned here, one, uh, since I was, it was a global, so I had, we were building out two schools, one in mainland China and one in DC at the same time. Wow. So I had my, and I was the global CEO for that startup. So. I was architecting stuff uh, for a global, and then the idea was like we were going to have 36 schools in 30 countries in 10 years. So you're designing the structure for a whole environment that's going to have uh, this new paradigm model of K-12 education. Where I mean, it was like truly a very interesting idea. When we have time later, we'll talk about it. So I was already in that mode where I had teams across the globe uh, that was doing uh, work, time was, uh, in, I mean, to, uh, China's like 12 hours ahead of us. So the mornings here is like nights there and the nights here. So so it was like a, a significant, so, so I had the opportunity to kind of build relationships with groups of people that were scattered around the world, different cultures, different time frame, completely remote. 
even though I, I do, I mean, but in those cases, I had the opportunity to not opportunity. I had to go to China as well as other places and meet with the group in, in a smaller place that did not happen when I took the position here. So when I came in here, uh, it was meeting with, so one thing that I did, and I think it really helped me significantly. I mean, I have a large team at Fordham. I mean, it's, it's about 160 people within my groups, but I took, I met with every single one of them for 15 minutes. So from the entry level, all the way to my direct reports. So every single one of them, I met with them for, for 15 minutes, took me three and a half months to get through the, through the group, <laughs> but they, they understood me. They knew me. I knew them. We, I mean, that 15 minutes actually really built that relationship, right? I mean, it, it, you don't need to spend hours and hours, but to let them know I'm here, I'm here to support you. Um, uh, let me tell me what, what the challenges you're doing and what are some of the interesting things you're doing? Just that's four, three, four questions really uh, build that bond. Uh, so they knew that the leadership's not coming and sitting at home and telling them what to do. It's more like, and then uh, later on, what I did also was we had people on ground because there are things like our security systems, uh, the physical security systems and things like that. We needed if, if it broke down because we had some people coming into work um, facilities and other people. So if so, we had network people and all these folks on ground here. So I made sure that once a week, irrespective of what it was, I came into the office to make sure that the people felt that, you know, I'm not like... <laughs> You were being, you were being that guy, as right. we say, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I think those helped build. And, and then every week I'm, I had an all-team meeting. So we all uh, discussed, and, and one of the few things, that, like the coffee cooler uh, thing, like 10 minutes before the meeting, people can talk about anything that they want. So we had open Zoom, they could talk. And then I would talk about, uh, you know, where we are going, what we are trying to do then had you know all these different groups within the it organization was doing like amazing stuff so have each of them kind of report out you know what they're doing and how it's helping the students and stuff really uh, build that bond you know one was like the the, the team knew what was happening wh uh, where we are going what was being done the team felt like they could reach out to me and they didn't have I mean, the, the hierarchies were all not in place at that point in time so all those things kind of help build that uh, relationship and build uh, build that uh, and, and it's still state you know it, it's like this is the type of thing that in the past four or five jobs that i had uh, you know the level of which and the speed of at which it happened to build the trust relationship between your team was significant in this case and i think that's one one like great lesson that i learned and so Going forward, any job I go, I'm going to definitely spend that time to meet with the with the staff, everybody, you know, every every staff. It's important. Let, let's pivot. I think it's, um, I mean, admirable. I, I I just think it it says something about people that work in education that they must have had experiences when they were a student, whether that was what education meant to their family, um, in where they're from, where they live, just the spirit, the sensibility of education in the furthering of themselves as humans and as community members. When would you say that you sort of first got the, the education bug? Were you a young boy? Was it something that was supported at home in a way that it was celebrated and or also pushed, right? It was, it was something where you really had to 
engage, right? Connect with it. Tell me about that for you. So I would say there are three pivotal points for me for that for this. Um, one was my uh, my parents. I mean, so they they were my dad was a medical doctor, uh, but one of the things and and I was born in India, so I mean, um, he, uh, the healthcare is pretty much a social uh, thing there. Um, so he uh, w- the thing that I found, and I'll, I'll kind of tie this back later. He always in the uh during the weekends he would take the the sample medicines and all that stuff he gets and go to villages and offer free service right so and then and the other part was they were always gung-ho on us trying to get advanced degrees as well so they said don't stop your education with just your high school or your bachelor's go get your master's so that's so that's one the second thing is i um Right after undergraduate, I came here for my graduate studies. I went to LSU. Uh, that's interesting there, which I won't go into. But I went to LSU, and um, w- I got a research assistantship in their College of Education. So that, so I got the, but then I was tied to a professor there who used to be a student of Seymour Papert. So in, at, at uh, MIT, I mean, who actually came up with the total, I mean, if you remember totals, uh, ages, I mean, so that he was the one who looked at constructivism and con- how do you, uh, how knowledge is uh, con- uh, constructed and stuff like, I got fascinated about uh, uh, education at that point in time. Um, she was great. Um, and I was helping her with her research. Uh, and then I realized, and then also at that point at, at LSU, um, the state brought about about during summer about about 150 uh, students who were um, at at very high actress students, and they bring them into the campus uh, in, the, in the College of Education, and they have a program for them to motivate them to stay back in the school. And I was involved with that, uh, with reading and writing. I was provi- I was also responsible for the for the computer lab there, and this was like the IBM 80s and so with the 500 quarter disk. <laughs> so I and then I saw the transition of the kids uh, on on doing things that would enable them to feel motivated and feel passionate about uh, learning. And then, then I realized technology really does have a intrinsic part in motivating students to stay back in school. Um, and and that's the second part of it. Um, so so then thinking back about my dad um, going out and helping the students, for me at that point, it's like, if I'm in education, I'm interested in looking at how technology can enable student learning um, and, and uh, uh, fast forwarding that to how that would then impact society, you know? If I can drive the the structure, the capability, provide the emerging tech that the students can use before they go out into the real world, have them experience all this stuff, these students are going to be much more greatly uh, ready for uh, for helping society be a better place. So these were the reasons why I got into education. This conversation has been supported by our friends at NAC. Go to joinnac.com to capitalize on your next. Now, back to the show. Fascinating. Thank you for the transparency and sharing. And I will say as a side note, I am an incredible fan of the Indian culture and the support of education because 
I have many friends in India and I love hearing about the parents' commitment. Absolute. And yeah. that's not even the word. I don't even know if there's a word. Maybe you can paint the picture because there is a, a passion that is rooted in moving, like progressing in a way that I don't even think we can contemplate here in the US. I know I'm, I'm, I'm losing my sense, my way with it, but I see your face that I'm touching yeah. on something. Am I right? That, that's the yeah. feeling I get. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Education. Um, I mean, there are a couple of countries that education is really important. And India is like one of them where education, even if I'm if I'm not able to afford to send my son or daughter to school, they find ways to send their son or daughter to school to make to make themselves uh, make their next generation better than how they were. And and there's no. Um, uh, no selfish feeling like, you know, why am I spending? They sacrifice whatever they have to, uh, to make their, uh, to make their kids more, um, educated and be better contributors and members of the community. And I'm, I'm, I'm a real fast, uh, I, I'm really fascinated about very ancient history. And so if you think about India, the, if you think 4,000, 5,000 BCE or 6,000 BCE, the, and also like the beginning of the turn of the centuries, um, the largest educational institutions were in India. So the Nalanda University, Takshila University, these were like, I mean, so, so historically there has been this thing where education was like very uh, central to the culture and, and like knowledge uh, epicenters. Exactly. So, so I think, I mean, that kind of, uh, that kind of still is sustained within the culture. So what's fascinating in getting to know you is when we, when we corresponded off air, right? One of the things that you commented to me, even in our correspondence was you were excited to talk about retention, right? Mm -hmm. And, and now I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing a digital space with a man and a professional who has the background that you do, who saw and got sort of hooked on helping young people through that program at LSU in the College of Education, who then gets dropped in in the middle of a pandemic and has to sort of uh, empower 160 people, right, in a way that says we are on the same team. Truly, we're on the same team here for retention. And if we can do those things, we can then actually move forward right to the general generational piece right we can make an impact that's better than even what we had it feels like you really live and breathe your own legacy in the work that you're doing now like this seems like a pretty darn good fit it does uh, and then retention is what what's retention i mean so people look at retention in multiple different ways right for me the way i define retention is student success right at the end of the day uh, and, and retention has multiple facets to it. I mean, so there are true, uh, and, and I'm not going to talk about retention wherein, you know, um, a student financially doesn't have the, the ability to continue their studies because of, uh, you know, that's, their that's, personal That's situation. transactional. That is transactional. So I'm going to leave that aside. So, so we'll do that. Uh, we'll keep that aside. I mean, there are other things, uh, there are other, uh, ways that we can think about that. But like, I think the more important one is like, how can we, and even for those students, right? I mean, how can we make sure that the students feel engaged with the university 
uh, and engagement, uh, student engagement leads to student retention. <coughs> and student retention leads to uh, and, and engagement. Uh, student engagement leads to student retention and student engagement leads to student success. Right. So, but what happens today in universities when you think about uh, universities and, and, and technology has come to a place where it's going to help and I'm going to kind of paint this picture here. So when you think about student uh, engagement, universities have, I mean, take any university in the world, they have a number of services that's available for students to help them succeed. However, we all do a poor job of not telling them what it is, where it is, how to get to it, and all. I mean, we do. They'll say, oh, it's on our website. Uh, oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. You know, yeah, read, you read, read, read the pamphlet in the lobby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, on the cork board that we put up there, right? <laughs> the cork board, right. <laughs> so, but there's, there's a number of these services that's available, and students know, uh, students don't even, and then they get bonked. They said, they look for something, they say, oh, let me go ask this person. They say, oh, oh, this is what you're looking for, maybe go over there. And then they go there, they get bounced over, and then they get frustrated, they leave, uh, they kind of give up and leave. And so could we look at technology now to create a hub wherein you can bring all these wraparound services in one place, but not only that, and then make it not like uh, like a portal where you dump everything, you know, here's the events, here's the yeah. stuff, here. Then we can, we can check leave, a box, right? <laughs> exactly, leave all that aside, Tell me, as a student, who are, who's my success team? You know, who's my academic advisor? Who's my financial counselor? Who's my wellness uh, counselor? Who's my, where can I go to get some help with the health? Uh, if I have disability, who can I go talk to? But not just that, tell me who exactly, if, it, if it's an academic advisor, the name, and how can I set up an appointment with that person? Right there, you know, so, and, and meet them where they are. So put it on the, uh, on the phone, put it on. So now as a student, I know exactly what services that uh, are available at the university, who I can go talk to with one click, and when I can talk to in the medium that I want to talk to, right? So now you bring all this stuff together and, and um, surface this information to the students, they feel completely engaged. It's like, I know exactly who I, I mean, who I need to go talk to if I have a wellness issue. Or, and then on the back end, and this is a key piece, right? If, if you don't get the different groups within the university to work together, this can completely fail. So, so an academic advisor is talking to the student and realizes that the student needs some counseling. So immediately send a, a chat to the counselor saying, I'm, talk, I'm meeting with my uh, advisee and I think it'll be great if you could spend some time, here's the information. And that counselor can immediately create an appointment with the student and say, you know, I talked to your academic advisor, I think let's, uh, I, uh, here's my availability, come meet with me, right? So right there when they need it, how they need it. So you don't even have to come to my office, we can do it on Zoom, right? So, so the students now feel totally connected. Right? They're engaged with the university. So that's bringing all these wraparound services, surfacing it up and giving it to the students in such a way that they feel they're involved. So that's one of the stuff. The second is some other, the other services like on my academic side, 
you know, we, uh, we both know Samir and, and then that's how we met. But on the academic side, if I am studying for my finals or, or, or a test or an exam, it's at 10 o'clock in the night and I need help with, uh, in, I can't understand exactly what it is uh, that uh, this particular thing is that I'm, I'm running like a foul on the problem that I'm trying to work out. I need some help at that point in time. In the past, and in many universities do it today, what happens with tutoring is like here one to four o'clock. This person is going to be in this room on that bill in that building. Uh, and yeah, they the used they, they were traditionally like bank hours or like the exactly. DMV, right? It was that whole thing that unless it fit into a box. And, and to your point, I'm glad you brought that up. I know you're referencing Samir, the the CEO of NAC. Um, but the power of that, as you, as you were talking, is that trust factor, right? Is that you're building layers of trust that are connected. I was having sort of, as you were talking, it's like thinking about the human body. If all of our systems aren't sort of talking to one another, we break down. I mean, it's not, you know, this is not rocket science in that manner. Exactly. And, and this goes to the power. I'd love to get your perspective on, look, we can't be faulted. I mean, we can, I guess, but we can't be completely faulted for what we did prior to the pandemic. There's mm -hmm. some of that. We just, things evolve over time. Right. The beauty of everything sort of breaking down is that we kind of went, wait a minute, why do we have that in the refrigerator? That makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> That's not applicable. And so when it comes to learning, which is what I think you were leading to. That I'm getting to. Right. Is that we can actually, we can be, we can be uh, flexible in our thinking as higher institution, as an industry. We don't have to be the ivory tower that says, no, 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 we'll wait for the next generation. Why can't we learn from peers? Why can't peer to peer in the pocket of our hands in technology, mm -hmm. like we use everywhere else? Because part of this is also the engagement and retention. If we take away that it is school, if it is a place that pulls in a consumer, right? And we want them to stay, <laughs> that's good Sticky. for business. Well, maybe we want to employ kind of the tech that they're liking. Right. Why do movie theaters now serve food? Well, they want us to have that Amazon, that Netflix experience with yeah, them. Right. So mm -hmm. you know, it's a long way of saying, I love how you were sort of tying that together that now goes to the learning right. objectives and opportunities. Exactly. So, so when, so now what we, we do at Forum is um, we have this, uh, this Mac, this is a platform that we're using where it becomes a marketplace. You know, a student at any point, any day, night, doesn't matter if they have a, a question or they want to need some help. There's vetted tutors who are their peers, as you meant, you know, who have gone through this class or, or know about this area, and they're available for them through uh, you know in-person meeting. But if it's at eleven o'clock in the night and I just a quick Zoom call and I'll get my uh, answers uh, from I'll, I'll get my questions uh, answered. I can do that. You know, so we created, we, we kind of broke down that old mold of come here at this time for you to get help. Two, when you need help, we are there to help you, which then translates to the learning side of it. It's like when I have a question, I can, I can reach out to somebody that can explain this to me and make me understand, not wait for it because the context in which I was studying that concept might not, I might not remember next day at one o'clock in the afternoon. And don't right? you think so, that, uh, there's a social emotional component to this as well? Because I, I feel like this point around engagement and retention, right, leading to graduation, that 
you know, if I don't feel, I mean, I think it's easy to say in a very static, sterile environment, if I don't know the answer to this, <laughs> I go and ask a professor. Yeah, but that's not the world we live in. We come from different cultures, different experiences right. and expectations. And if I start to slip in a course in the fall, well, come, you know, finals time, I'm already down the river. And, but if there's something that allows me to engage with someone that's my age, mm -hmm. the vernacular, right? That's impactful. And I think it's a, it's, it's really sneaky good when we think about empowering technology that even has the economic model to support higher ed in the 21st century, because the old economic model of tutoring, I'll let you speak to that. You can see my yeah. face. It's so outdated is a nice way to put it. Right. And social and social emotional peace kind of comes uh, uh, in a critical way in this one as well. To the point, I mean, if you even look at the characteristics of the Gen Zs, who are the, the, the kids that are coming into the university at this point in time, and even the millennials to a certain extent, they learn, they are more comfortable uh, talking and working with their peers than somebody, you know, different. So, so <laughs> guys like you and me. <laughs> exactly. So, so within, within the, within the characteristic itself, it's there. I mean, so why not leverage that? Right. And then the third piece in the, in the retention puzzle that I would say is predictive analytics. Right. So when you think about it, uh, and I mean, uh, learning is one piece I'll, I'll touch upon a little bit, uh, touch upon after this one, but from a predictive analytics, it's like, I mean, we collect, data across the board within the university, right? I mean, so looking at multiple, we have we can look at learning analytics because again, COVID, what did COVID do for us? Got every single faculty to use technology to teach. <laughs> Whether they did it good or bad is a totally different story, but they all got they were on the you know, grid. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> uh, which every K-12 and higher ed was trying to get people to use it. And, and only the early adopters and probably some stragglers after that did it. Uh, but this COVID helped us do that. So now we have rich sets of data that's available. Now take that learning analytic data, take, uh, you know, the, the cafeteria, you know, the students going into the cafeteria using the card to you, take uh, their dorm data and all that stuff. I mean, so could we, and again, we don't have, to, without losing uh, privacy of the student, take those data and, and correlate it to see, so for example, a student, uh, a, a good student, keeping good academic records, has not submitted uh, the assignments for a week, has not shown up for classes uh, half the time, uh, did not come out of the dorm room uh, more than two times, has not eaten that well. I mean, they only had this stuff. Um, and, um, so, so taking, I mean, and then other uh, variables, the system should automatically alert somebody saying, maybe you should, I mean, here's a student that's kind of varying from what they used to be, reach out to them, right? So reaching out proactively rather than after they do something is going to be much more uh, impactful than, we, so this is where we can bring all this stuff in to enable, um, enable the various services in the university, like surface like these students in the, in the university. Or, or on the flip side, I mean, that's on, the, on, on a very grave example, but on the flip side of it, if, um, if I'm a student that's, um, that has been good, uh, that's not, that works well, 
but then, uh, or actually an average student, but then the system says that, uh, I mean, they seem to, if, if I uh, assign assignments that are videos to it and have them do these, I mean, so the way the, the different types of things uh, make them motivated and passionate to do the work that they need to do, now I know exactly how I need to reach out to reach that student to elevate them to be successful within their class, right? I mean, so this the predictive analytics stuff becomes much more helpful and impactful to the point also, I mean, for student success, you know, what happens today in, in universities? There's a set of courses that are being offered as each semester. At uh, Fordham, it's 3,500 courses every semester we are offering, right? Are they the right set of courses? So if I have, uh, um, say, a sophomore uh, set of students, I can now look at all the requirements, the core requirements, I mean, because there's the core requirements and then they have the major and the minor courses that they need to take. I can look at the core requirements and see how many of these students are going to be coming, I mean, how many students need what core courses that's needed so I can offer those core courses next semester so that students can take it. So now, I'm progressing the student to graduate out at four years, right? And then how many sections of the classes that do I need to offer and how many adjuncts, if, if I have to bring in adjuncts because there's more students that need Psych 101, um, then I can say, okay, I'm going to do, and uh, Fordham is a very high uh, touch small class size. I mean, we have large classes, but small class size. So we don't want to do more than 20 kids or 30 kids per class. Then how many sections do I need to offer? And do I have enough faculty to offer those sections? Rather than arbitrarily saying, well, every year we have offered a Psych 101 with one section in spring, let's just do that. So, so driving all these things kind of helps the student, helps us to retain the student because now they know, I know how to go to a different university to get my Psych 101 class. I can do it here or wait till summer and go to my hometown to get Psych 101. I can just do it the next semester and I can graduate out either early or graduate out. And, before, yes. I love that. I mean, it speaks to the relationship we have to data. It, it, even the forced choice that we had to make when it came to technology, if we were stragglers, and to do it in a thoughtful way. Uh, right. Let's close with this. How do you, if, if I take away the title of VP or CIO, like how do you think about just in essence, what you are contributing as a professional, because I know people can't see it. This is a podcast, but there's this wonderful childlike energy about you that emanates through Thank the you. digital parameters of Zoom that says to me, there's so much of you when you were young that is sitting right now today facing me and that there's like, there's a, like an explorer, like, like you enjoy exploring that you're not afraid of what's around the bend that maybe you can't see and that potentially that excites you. So how do you sort of think about and how do you describe yourself? Um, I, I, I'm glad you're saying that because that's how I am. It's like, I'm a person that wants to not sit with what, what's there. I want us to evolve, you know? So you have all these things that are coming in. Why not let use it? Why not try something with it and, and see if it makes, uh, if it has a stickiness to it. Um, if it, uh, so, so for me, innovation is always a key thing and, and taking calculated risk is always a key thing. Um, at the end of the day, for me, it's like, how do I empower a student coming out of, uh, 
forum to be a, a, a real critical citizen that has a major impact, uh, can make a major impact in society. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I think of, if you want to use one word for me, or two words maybe, it's an enabler and an innovator, right? I enable the difference. So I'm the person in the background trying to enable all these other things that are happening, but then enabling them in an innovative way rather than be stuck with, you know, this is how we always do the stuff. So let's continue doing it like the same way. Instead of that, pushing back and saying, why do we want to do it the same way? Well, I'll say it. I think Fordham is incredibly lucky to have the spirit of what you bring to the table. Um, and I would imagine the 160 that are a part of your team would would Thank echo you. the, the sen sentiment. Anand Panmanaban, did I get that? Right. Is that better? Did yeah, I get yeah. it better? It's, it's like, it's, see, I'm evolving. <laughs> I'm trying, right in front of your face. Uh, the VP and CIO of Fordham University. What a fantastic conversation. I hope this is the first of many and the next one would be in person. I just think you're a delight to speak with. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.